Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver's Sports Travel. Uh, I'm Ben James, and today I'm joined by Andy Howell. There's no regional coaches in this week. I'm, I'm, I'm back to the, uh, the run-of-the-mill day job. But, uh, it's good to be back, though, Ben, for a new season. Absolutely, it is. We had the first round of matches. Uh, pretty good, though the Welsh teams, uh, there's only uh, uh, one winner, the uh, Ospreys. But I think it was a good weekend of rugby. It was a good weekend of rugby, and let's, um, let's not waste any time. Let's get straight into it. Uh, we'll start on, with Friday night's game, uh, the one you were at. That was the Cardiff Blues. They went down 33-32 to Leinster. Shouldn't have. Absolutely. They had that game in their pocket. 15 points up in the second half. And uh, really, they pressed the self-destruct button. Uh, Leinster, it, w- it was Leinster's second team. But Leinster did not offer anything behind as a run-in threat. But the Blues, they... Uh, they gave penalties away on a half around the halfway area when they didn't need to it would have been better just letting Leinster have the ball and stopping them in their tracks which I'm sure they could and they had of course allowed Leinster to kick for touch in the corner and uh, and score some tries to nick it at the uh, to nick it at the end uh, got to give uh, Leinster some credit uh, that, that just shows what a good outfit they are the belief they've got you know the Champions Cup winners uh, Pro 14 uh, champions as well, and they just got that in a belief in you know how to win games. But really, the Blues and it to, to them. Uh, not sure whether the Blues perhaps became uh, uh, a little bit complacent after they took that lead. Perhaps they thought the game was won. Certainly looked like that. If anything, at the time it looked like the Blues was gonna were gonna go on and uh, score a couple more tries. But unfortunately, they let uh, Leinster back in. But it was a great game of rugby, great advert crowd as well in excess of uh, nine thousand. And that comes on the back of the Blues lifting the Challenge Cup last season. Shows what a bit of success can do. And I must uh, uh, as well applaud Nigel Owens, refereeing. When he's in charge of a game, you know it's going to be good. Players know exactly uh, uh, what he wants, what he will uh, tolerate. And you always get a good test. Which is a contrast to the uh, refereeing performance of Mr George Clancy at the Dragons versus uh, Benetton game the following night. Uh, if there's any chance of whistling, George will blow it. There you go. That's, you had that one prepared, didn't you? I think. Um, so yeah, well, uh, I think if you had sort of offered uh, John Mulverhill two points before the game, he'd have probably snapped your arm off, wouldn't he, against Leinster? But uh... no, I don't think he would because I think John Mulverhill is a winner, and he wasn't. Uh, you could see that winning streak, uh, and hear it by uh, listening to him in the uh, post-match. Uh, uh, press conference. He, he's a typical Australian. He wants to win every uh, every game, and uh, he, even though he sung the praises of his players for giving everything, emptying the tank, uh, etc., I think privately he would be unhappy that um, at them blowing that lead. But there's still, obviously there were plenty of positives, um, so let's let's get into them. Um, the most obvious one was uh, a man who scored two tries on his competitive debut. That was uh, Jason Harris. Guy who's been lost to Welsh rugby for for a bit now, and he's come back and made an instant impact, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, for sure, hasn't he? he come back he's with Edinburgh last season, played a bit for Wales on the uh, sevens uh, circuit. Shows you know he can be in your late twenties, you can be a late bloomer, and uh, you, you know he's, if he carries on like he is, he's set to become one of the most popular players at the uh, at the Blues. The crowd have really uh, taken to him. What I like about him is he's got such a good uh, rugby brain. Uh, he gets in the right uh, positions. And he reads the game so well. In fact, defensively, two occasions when Leinster put kicks kicks in, 
that he'd read it and he got back to cover where uh, potentially Leinster might have scored a couple of tries. I thought that was excellent from him and he took his tries uh, really well and he's so aware of space on the uh, pitch. You know, he's, he's a really good uh, rugby player and I think that all comes from his uh, rugby brain and he's got skills to back it up. The Blues are sort of blessed with, uh, with wingers at the minute because Owen Lane also had a good game on the other touchline. Did a lot of uh, sort of grunt work that probably didn't get the rewards in terms of tries but it certainly opened up space yeah, he on, did. on the open side for, for Lilo and Harry to capitalise oh. didn't it yeah he did he, doesn't. he comes off his wing a lot he works hard and he does some damage because I guess really he is a centre uh, he does a lot of damage in some respects he reminds me a bit of a uh, rugby league player who they use uh, in field to carry the ball up because he is a big strong man and uh, yeah he's, uh, a lot of his play is uh, power plays I suppose did open up space uh, for others and of course the Blues midfield was excellent wasn't it it was you know, that's, the, that's the thing with the Blues midfield is when Lilo, Halaholo they're, they're, they're not always on fire but when they do click they're very hard to play against aren't they yeah they do the basics well don't they as well, they, they pass at the right time and uh, I thought Lilo was, uh, was uh, he had a fine game and uh, the other guy of course we've got to mention is uh, Jared Evans at uh, number 10 uh, he called the shots there was a lovely move wasn't it when he looked for their uh, first try and I think it was the first try and he uh, and he popped the ball off to Lilo at exactly the right uh, time um, you know Jared is a classic uh, Welsh outside half in build he's short and stocky uh, but, and he's quick and uh, he, you know he, he, he started where he left off last season which was on a real high maybe it's too early to sort of say it but Gatlander sort of said you know he needs to see 18 months of, of Jared Evans playing consistently well before he, he gets a look in internationally but if he if he does carry on playing I, this well and, and, and towards the autumn is, is he not deserving of a call up? Well I think he would yeah I think Gatlin would have no hesitation to call him up if he thinks he's good enough at the time well I think what uh, Warren did there was uh, take the pressure off uh, Jared Evans by saying not 18 months so keep him up the spotlight if you like let's not uh, forget before the 2011 World Cup where Wales finished uh, um, well, reached the semi-finals that uh, Rhys Priestland was uh, um, pitched in at the last minute for a warm-up game against England at Twickenham and based on that game he took over from uh, Stephen Jones or James Hook as Wales' yeah. number 10 at the World Cup and was a key man in them getting to the uh, semi-finals so that shows things can change uh, quickly and um, if Jarrah keeps on like he is he will, um, and uh, keeps playing uh, he will put together uh, he will be it will be very difficult for Wales to leave him out of the squad in the autumn because I think they still need to sort out the number 10 position I think for example of Priestland I think Priestland only made his debut in that year 2011 Six Nations I think so there's plenty of rugby to be played isn't there yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Wales got you know you've got four them tests, you've got a six, uh, six Nations, and there will be some warm up games before the World uh, World Cup. Um, you know, they, you've got the, you've got Dan Bigger, you've got Reese Patchell, Gareth Anscombe, Priestland, Jarad, Sam Davis. We, you know, what do you think of Sam? His performance against the Ospreys, Ben? Uh, you know, obviously the big story was he he, he wasn't picked. Uh, Luke Price ahead of him, but um, after Luke Price went off, I thought Sam. Sam played well. Uh, looks to be benefit, benefiting from playing with a, with a midfield outside him who know 
sort of how to run hard lines and and, and how to play flat off him, and that that just sort of lets him play deeper, uh, sorry, more 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 close to the gain line, and just lets him dictate things a little better. Uh, especially you know, you've got a mind like Scott Williams outside, you can sort of take charge of a back line. That's only going to help uh, Sam as a, as a player. So it, it's it's early days for Sam because obviously we all know how close he was to a Wales jersey at one point, and then sort of how far he'd fallen away. And this is being billed as a big season for him and. I suppose after the first sort of speed bump of being dropped for the first game, it, it, it's not a bad place for him to be, and it's just a just a case of game by game now, isn't it? Yeah, and with uh, Luke Price getting injured, and uh, apparently he could be out for a while, that uh, that's going to give Sam the opportunity to make that number ten jersey his own at the uh, Osprey. So I suppose I think you said it, Ben. You know, he's uh, perhaps a wild card in this uh, selection uh, uh, dilemma for uh, Gatland, but it's a funny old world, isn't it? Dan uh, Bigger. Said he was leaving Wales to escape from the goldfish bowl. Plays his first uh, match for Northampton, and what what happened? Got panned by the yeah. English media for his performance. Absolutely. Um, I think of all the all the all the fly halves there you've mentioned played bar one, isn't it? I think bigger played. Yeah. For Northampton, like you say, didn't go particularly well, but that's not entirely his fault. He's up against. Gloucester, Gloucester exactly. Kingsholm, a good side in Northampton were rubbish last season. Yeah, Gloucester, Gloucester Pack were well on top of that. Uh, Priestland played, didn't he, for for Bath? They went down to Bristol on Friday night, so that's possibly not done him many favours. Anscombe didn't play, obviously, no. and he's still looking like he could be behind the pecking order. Well, his first, his, his first problem at the Blues is what position is he going to play? Exactly. Yeah, uh, I he probably playing. Um, uh, he'd probably be playing fullback if the Blues continue to, if they pick on form absolutely um, who was there Patchell uh, limped off uh, with for a HIA oh, probably didn't limp off then um, <laughs> yeah for a HIA uh, against Elster on Saturday but before that he'd be you know he'd, he'd, he'd really laid down a marker he's he's got a nice try technically the man in possession of the jersey having played the two tests in Argentina whether you believe he is really the man in possession of the jersey or whether you think Gatlin will go straight back to bigger when the sort of uh, the, the bigger games sort of come up that's that's to be debated but I, you, you I, know yeah, I think with the number 10 I wouldn't say it's just Gatlin's decision I think Rob Howley has a, a huge bearing on who they pick it outside half is my understanding so and Howley is a massive fan of bigger so I guess these other guys are up against that to some degree that is true yeah but like you say yeah, Patchell scored a, a, a lovely try Against also sort of typical sort of patchel try to takes the ball really hard to the line and runs at defenders. He's and it, quick, you know. He is quick and he backs his pace and he backs his power. And it, it even if he even if he doesn't make it, it's you know it's, it's forcing two or three defenders to sort of bunch in and then the scarlets have the ball players in the in the pack to sort of step in at first receiver. And it, it, it's just a it's indicative of the way they play and it. It's, it's how you want to see Wales play and they, they started doing the Six Nations with Patchell there but then obviously with all that sort of inconsistency of selection we sort of moved away from that and that's for me that's how Wales should be playing with a fly half um, but so so uh, so you would pick Patchell at 10 in the yeah. autumn yeah I'd yeah. pick Patchell at 10 in the autumn um, Scotland first up isn't it and I, I don't think we, we should be at all worried about Patchell facing Scotland you know it's, it's, it's not, we're, not, we're, not we're, we're not playing Eddie Jones as England again it's not going to we're not going to sort of it's not going to be targeted on mind games is it? it's Scotland 
neither team is going to be sort of uh, you know, I, fully I, geared up for it. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My view in the Six Nations, which I expressed on the uh, podcast, was that we're bigger missing the start of Six Nations. I didn't see any point in him playing at all in that Six Nations, but they brought him back because I think it's important. Everybody knows what Dan Baker can do, and if he doesn't play between now and the World Cup, and he play him in the first match of the World Cup, he he would do the same in that exactly. uh, as he did the last time he played for. Uh, for Wales, and he'd be able, he's got that so much confidence, he'd be able to step in, no problem at all. So I think, like you do with Pacho, I think it's important for Wales to develop alternatives this autumn and in the Six Nations. And Gatlin, if he thinks he needs to justify doing that, can always say, well, he's not as available, the bigger's not available so much for training because he's playing in England. So I would like to see the likes of, um, of uh, Pacho and uh, Jared Evans and uh, or Anscombe, whoever's performing the best out of them, playing at uh, ten for Wales this autumn. Yeah, well, going back to the Six Nations, that was a thing in the Six Nations, wasn't it? We had you know, five games. Patchell started the first two, then Bigger was brought in, then Anscombe was brought in, and then Bigger was brought in again. It's, w- what did we feasibly learn from that? And then you look at uh, the summer; it was just Patchell starting. Both games against Argentina. You, you yeah, felt like Anscombe started against Africa. He might have, yeah, but yeah. obviously, mm. uh, Pasha would have been involved with the Scarlets. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, but we we learned a lot more from Patchell sort of just yeah. being given consistent game time there, rather than sort of switching and, and and swapping as we did in the Six Nations. Yeah, exactly. So they need to decide whether they stick with him for the autumn, or 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 go back to bigger, or try uh, one of the others. Absolutely. Um, I think that's that's the Wales number ten sort of. Well, that, wait, hang on. Oh, this you, Wales number ten debate is it never ends. I was going to say put to rights. So I'm sure wrong. we will be discussing this in forthcoming podcasts. Absolutely. Because what's the old adage? You're only as good as your last. It'll, game. it'll all have changed by next week, won't it? So, um, yeah, coming back to the Cardiff Blues, uh, another of the big talking points was the Leinster team um, and the fact that they played a beating which is what it was and sort of debates on sort of either side of the Irish channels about the, the merits and the sort of what that does to the league as a whole what, what are your thoughts on it? Well they played that beat that beating would have probably played half their fixtures last season and they ended up Pro 14 champions. So you can't argue against it because they uh, uh, keep winning. If it was a team that's uh, lower down the table uh, was doing that, well, I think there would be, uh, uh, you know, people should have a grievance because it does, uh, uh, you know, people want to see first teams really, don't they, at the end of the day. Yeah. Even though it was that bumper crowd there last week and perhaps it was beneficial for the Blues, they should have, you know, perhaps beaten Leinster B team, if you like. Uh, um, so people would have been happy with that but you know myself I would have preferred to see uh, Johnny Sexton Sean O'Brien Leinster, you know uh, Rob Carney um, Gary Ringrose a full, a full on Leinster team there uh, going head to head uh, with the Blues you know it would be more uh, satisfying for the Blues to uh, uh, to perform and hopefully beat a side of that ilk uh, so it's difficult and this is the problem with the league though, isn't it the problem with this league compared to the uh, Premiership in England is in England the international players are spread around 12 clubs yeah. whereas in Ireland well really the international players come from most of them come from uh, two teams uh, Leinster and 
Munster with Ulster supplying uh, some and uh, Connaught having a little bit of a lucky these days so uh, they're always going to uh, suffer with losing players plus there's a policy in Ireland of the international players only playing X number of games per season and uh, Joe Schmidt the Ireland coach decides which games they miss that's the thing but then you know with, with such Leinster's academy it's just ridiculously strong you know yeah, well, it's, it's only a matter of time before these players who are playing at the Arms Park on Friday are the sort of big names. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, they bring in through so many. But it, it, what Mike Ruddock, you know, who lives in uh, Dublin and used to be Leinster coach, ex Wales coach, won a Grand Slam and all that, he explained out, he said, Leinster really now are the Manchester United of rugby, if you like. And in Ireland now, they are attracting a lot of guys from outside Leinster province. So they're attracting a lot younger players from Munster area. And all they were attracted by uh, Dublin, while Leinster have got to offer. So really now, they're not looking just inside their province for players. At a young age, they're attracting players, like football clubs do, from um, you know from everywhere. You know, that's what success does to you in Leinster. European champions, well, they've won it now uh, four times. Is it three or four times? Uh, four times? Four, I think. They won it once at Shaka, didn't they? Twice under Schmidt. Yeah, they won. They won, they won it. Yeah. And they've also you know. won, they won the Pro 14, Pro 12 more than any other team. Yeah. Initially, yeah. yeah, yeah, first, yeah, first, yeah. first Pro 14 team to do the, Five the double. Yeah, and first to do the, the double yeah, as so well. So, so, you know, they are a massive brand, aren't they? And they get huge clubs. People want to play for them and live in Dublin, which is quite a nice city. Absolutely, it is. Um, so, a quick word on the Blues next game before we move on. That's Benetton away Saturday night. That'll, that'll be a tough game because uh, I know we're going to get on to the Dragons, and uh, but Benetton fully deserved their win over the uh, Dragons. Uh, they backed up last uh, season when they won a, uh, 11 out of their 21 fixtures, finished 35 points ahead of the Dragons in the table, in their conference table. Uh, Benetton, a big unit, big pack, well organised. Keenan Crowley is a good coach, ex New Zealand fullback. And they've got some uh, some big backs. Their centre's going to do some uh, damage. So it will, uh, they will give the uh, uh, Blues a tough assignment up front. Uh, I'd like to think, though, the Blues will have that extra quality, skill and pace in their backs to do some damage when they get the ball. The, ball. Uh, the only thing I would be concerned is if the Blues didn't get enough, uh, didn't get enough ball on the front foot to, uh, to take them on. But I think the Blues are capable of, uh, of uh, throwing a few counter punches and winning over there. Do you think that's where the Blues can learn from the Dragons uh, on Saturday? Because clearly on Saturday, Benetton had the sort of beating of the Dragons when it came to the physical side of the game. And, and, and when the Dragons did start to get a bit more possession, they were chasing the game in that last 20, they still kept trying to sort of beat Benetton at their own game rather than maybe try to put a bit of width on the ball. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, well, and Benetton did the same when they had the ball. You know, at times, but they had overlaps and neglected them by trying to hit up for the forwards again. And the uh, yeah, Dragons uh, trying to hit through them when they should have looked uh, wider because they, uh, you, you know, they got only got players like Alan Amos and John Williams in your team. Let's uh, give them the ball and get them in the game. Uh, Amos, uh, he, he must have won what he was doing on there because uh, he was a left wing. He should be playing at fullback. He was Wales fullback in the summer. This be that preferred position. Runs great angles, uh, but yeah, I thought he was quite redundant last uh, last weekend. Um, so, so they failed, if you like, to to get the ball to those. I can't remember that many times when the Dragons really managed to get it uh, to get it uh, uh, wide. Um, 
and they paid the price for it. And uh, what's interesting to me, you know, we've had all these calls over the years, kicking the Italians out of the uh, league because they, you know, they're not good enough. What do they bring? Let me tell you what they bring now. They played the Dragons 17 times in league competition, and Benetton have won 10 times. So they've won 10 out of 17 against the Dragons. What does that say? Benetton perhaps better than people uh, uh, than people think in Wales, and it also says the Dragons have been pretty awful. So well, now we're now we're on the Dragons. Let's let's stick with them. Um, again, it was another game you were at. Busy weekend for you, wasn't it? It was very busy, Brian. Let's start with. I think probably the best place to start is, is, is Jackman. And what? Bernard Jackman. Yeah. The coach. Bernard Jackman, the coach, as opposed to any other sort of or Jackson Pollock, the artist. Where are we going with this? <laughs> no, 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 no. So yeah, um, you spoke to him after the game. Uh, it was a familiar tale, wasn't it, for the Dragons? What, what did he have to say to you? Well, he fronted up. Uh, he said he deserved the abuse which he got from the uh, some spectators, which grew as the game went on. From at the outset, they were the supporters. They, you know, right behind the Dragons, did their best to G him up and everything. But by uh, by the time the Dragons mounted that revival at the end, a lot of supporters had already left the ground, and uh, uh, people were giving uh, Jackman stick during the game. He was stood in a technical zone. Uh, so he was in full view with the main stand in the terrace at Ronnie Parade and he quite a, a, a vociferous uh, crowd there so some people were giving him some, some stick uh, he funded up to it so uh, you know uh, that was good um, uh, afterwards he said uh, he said the Dragons made too many mistakes too many and then, uh, errors and uh, he tried uh, he tried to um, deflect any criticism of the players onto himself by saying he might have got the preparation wrong. That uh, was the thing he said. You know, maybe I hadn't done enough contact work in the week. That was the quote, wasn't it? But, uh, do you know what I would have been doing though, in that game? Avoiding contact because of taking contact, you're playing in bent on hands. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know Jack when in fairness, he tried to take the pressure off his players. There, you know, what the Dragons need is a win, isn't there? And they got Southern Kings this weekend at home. They've got to win that game. Surely they can't win, lose to the Kings. Can, can they? You'd hope not. But they yeah. were the they were the yeah. only team to lose to them last year. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. Um, Dragons, of course, brought in all these new players, and I think it was either five or six of them started. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's have a look at sort of. Yeah, they, they they started, but it was the same old sort of story, really. That. Um, uh, you know, they started. They were for the they, they got to a perfect start. Interception try after uh, sixty nine seconds. You thought, oh, this will give them the lift they wanted. And for about ten minutes, they they were dominated the game. But then Teresa clawed their way into it, uh, exerted pressure forward, and the uh, Dragons. What 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 concerned me a bit is Dragons. Is um, is you can see their confidence is at low, is a low, still at a low ebb, even though they got some new players. Yeah. Uh, uh, because it deserted them a bit in the second half, it didn't really look like they had the belief that they were going to win the game. So let's take let's 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 go through the however many new faces there were, yeah, and just sort of look at how they sort of assess how they how they performed, yeah, on the debut. So we'll start at the back. There was Jordan Williams. Yeah, I'd like to see Jordan Williams yes, swap positions with Amos. I would prefer I prefer Amos as a fullback because I think he's better entering the line like. In through between the centres, outside the centres, John Williams, great uh, counter attacking player, and he did come off for uh, the Dragons had a scrum in a perfect position to score, 
they went blindside and he did work David Howells away uh, I wouldn't say it was a great pass but Howells should have held on to it and he knocked on and it would have been a, a try but Amos would have done exactly the same you know we saw the stuff Amos did against Argentina and South Africa in the summer uh, he's, he's a cracking player and I think he's uh, he's safer under the eye ball in defence and um, uh, uh, probably uh, his kicking game might be a little bit better as uh, as, uh, as well uh, I, I, what I would like to see John Williams doing is on the wing and doing the uh, Shane Williams role which Shane used to do with Wales and the Ospreys roaming the field turning up first receiver second receiver and beating people in uh, tight traffic because he's got fantastic uh, fantastic feet uh, feet on him yeah that was the thing on Saturday it, it did like there was there was the odd occasion where you'd see sort of Hal was in the sort of fullback position and, and Jordan was on on the wing but it wasn't sort of the the times you'd expect it, you know, it, it when you want you want Amos to be in that 15 position stalking the 13 channel when you're going forward and you want Jordan to be in the backfield when you're on kick returns and they sort of they didn't, they didn't seem to have that sort of balance and I, I watched a bit of the uh, the pre-season friendly game against Gloucester and that was the thing that was really you could tell was just they were missing having Hal Amos at 15 because there was no sort of depth to any lines outside 12 yeah and I, I just what Amos is really good at as well isn't it when he hits a line he picks his angles oh yeah he spots the space and he hits it and his timing is excellent so he gets you over the not just you know, only does he get you through holes or over the game line or not he's really good at offloading as well if you think back to the was it New Zealand yeah last year yeah, Scott Williams' was, try wasn't it that was yeah that was a great try great move probably yeah. the best try he scored all autumn yeah and, you know, you, it was all it was all down to the, the angle of yeah Hal Amos's run um, who else was new there Dan, obviously Dan Howells Dan Howells went well in fairness you know, he yeah. should have like I said he should have caught that ball for the Pat's got a second try went well for his uh, uh, first try albeit from interception and he, yeah, he offered, uh, yeah, he, you know, he offered some promise. Yeah, he's had a tough sort of. Well, he's had a career littered by injuries at exactly. senior level, so he needs a run of games. Do you think that he made his made his Wales debut, which people probably forget, five years ago? Yeah, I said not long. Gosh. Yeah, and so you know, I think mm. fresh start was probably needed, and yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, he offered something. So yeah, yeah. Uh, scrum half was uh, Roger Williams. Yeah, Rodri. Uh, he did have one uh, rush of blood. Just before half time, when they would have a uh, simple penalty, which they should have kicked, just pulled back three points. Rodri tapped and uh, went, and someone ended up uh, knocking on, so they, uh, uh, so they blew that. And what was interesting, just after half time, they were awarded a penalty, and there was no uh, rushes of the blood. Uh, that time it was uh, Gavin Enson kick a goal. Um, uh, so uh, something I don't think anything been said at half time. Rodri, um, yeah, you know, he's a sniper and he scored a try, yeah. he's very dangerous. Um, he's a live wire. Uh, it does remind me of his father, who was a really good player for Swansea. Um, uh, Alan playing, and um, you know, I think he's a good signing, Rodri. Yeah, yeah. Um, if he's if if he gets space in a game, he's an exploiter. Then obviously in the front row you had Bevington, Ryan Bevington, and you had the Richard Hibbard. Hibbard didn't really get over the game line, if I'm honest. Uh, but Benetton, you know, they have got big forwards and all, and. Uh, you know they loved it people running straight into him uh, when he got players like Zani Alessandro Zani who's been one of Italy's best players over the years in my opinion uh, in a side marshalling it and all that uh, big forwards they just loved the likes of it but not running straight at them and they, st- they stopped him on the game and you know they, most of the time he was stopped on the game line 
don't think he got over it that much. And uh, uh, Bevington, in fact, he was the one who knocked on when Rodney Williams took that quick uh, tap penalty, dropped the ball. Uh, Bevington, um, yeah, he was all right, but uh, I, but myself, I would have the uh, uh, plump for the experience of uh, Brock Harris, old campaigner, uh, probably as a start in uh, uh, starting prop. Another the Dragons. I think Brock Harris has been a good player, and uh, you know he knows the game inside out. He's vastly experienced. Going back to Hibbard, you know the line out malfunction, but that's not necessarily his fault. I think. The other thing with Hibbard is, is you look at him and D, and it's well, clear. Yeah, he's another one on a big summer with Wales. He had a good, really good summer. And it's clear from the outside that these two are going hammer and tong at each other. That they're, they're, they're going to drive each other on. So you feel like if, if Hibbard has underperformed in the first game, well, he's going to have to raise his performance quickly because D is not going to give him an inch. No, you well, do you, do you, do you, well, they'd both be thinking they're going to be the number one hooker there, wouldn't they? They'd that's, be, uh, that's the thing. I think you know, Elliot D's got to be number one hooker at the Dragons if he wants to play for Wales this season, I'd suggest. Yeah, I suspect that D will start this week when they've got to be on the bench. Uh, I think this, um, they will um, you know, almost take it in turns to start, uh, start games uh, until we come to the big ones like the, the derbies. Yeah, one of the, stri- one of the striking things at pre-season, one of the games, Hibbard started and D came off the bench. D was wearing number two. It just sort of shows you the sort of mentality he's got. He's not. He doesn't want to be sixteen. He wants to be number two. Even if he's coming off the bench. It's uh, just a little thing, but it's one of the things you sort of pick up on. And, and the other, the well, other, it's good though, to have that competition, it is. isn't it? Same as uh, the loose end there with Bevington and uh, Brock Harris. Good, you know, more competition for places they got the better. Absolutely. And the, the final sort of uh, new face was uh, the Samoan Brandon Nansen in the second row alongside Corey Hill. Um, That's a big um. Yeah, he hasn't done anything extraordinary. Uh, is he any better than Matthew Scooch? Or uh, Joe Davis, is it? I'm, I'm not sure. Let's, uh, I'm going to reserve judgment on him because I haven't seen enough of him uh, yet. Obviously, he's not a Samoan name we were familiar with, so I guess he's got to uh, uh, convince us of his, uh, of his worth. Uh, a couple of boys did well, mine, for the Dragons. That's yes, uh, yes, Aaron Wingwright. I thought he's a really good athlete. Good player, and uh, he left off, isn't and, it? Yeah, and the other guy who did uh, give it a right old goal was in, uh, was Jack Dixon in the centre. Um, good to see him back, isn't it? Yeah, it's good to see him back. back and, uh, you know, he's a strong boy, uh, Jack, and he was one of the few players of the Dragons who really made inroads into the um, into the um, Benetton defence. But the player we're going to get onto, I suspect, Ben, is Ross Moriarty. Of course, didn't play because he was suspended after getting sent off in Argentina. Absolutely. A lot of pressure on him now, isn't there? Well, Jackson didn't he threw him a pass uh, in that post-match pressure, saying Ross can come in, you know, and it sometimes only takes one player uh, to galvanise a, a team. So, uh, over to you, Ross, for the match with the Kings on uh, Saturday. Yeah, it's a big ask, isn't it? I know. It's not a big ask, because in my opinion, right, that Ross Moriarty will add a lot to the Dragons and he might well turn him round because uh, uh, Ollie Griffiths played number 8 he's a flanker probably an open side his best position really good open flanker in the inner Sam Warburton mould if you like yeah. over the ball etc but they had play, they played him number 8 at the weekend and um, um, Lewis Evans was 7 wasn't it no Lewis Evans was 6 and Wayne Wright was 7, was six and seven yeah. yeah and uh, they liked the ball carry really but, but they need a big powerful physical aggressive ball carry and they're going to have it in Ross Moriarty so he could be the bloke who could 
can do what they couldn't do last weekend up front, get over the game line. So he is a key man for the Dragons to get them going. You know, he might play this week against the Kings, and they might all come off, and they might win our game well. Um, but I think there's a lot of uh, when I say Moriarty will he'll revel in the pressure though. He loves all that Moriarty family as a whole. So uh, you know, I'm sure he'll be he'll be bursting to get on that field at the uh, weekend and do some uh, some damage. But they need Ross Moriarty to play a lot of games from this season. And to stay fit, play a lot of games, and you know I think they, you know, he's on a high salary, so they'd expect a lot out of him. Do you think, um, apart from possibly Moriarty coming to the back row, do you think there'll be many more changes? Gav stay at ten. Um, I got feeling they will play Josh Lewis this week. I would, like, uh, I'd say Lewis might play, play at ten this week. Ensign was okay, uh, but you know, but Benetton on top up front. Yeah. It's like bigger suffer, didn't he, against Gloucester, against Danny Cipriani. Cipriani had a you know, Gloucester back going well, Cipriani had a really good game. Um, so, you, you know, you can't blame Gavin Enzo, and he did what he had to do. He kicked close goal kicking was really, uh, really good. It's just they were a bit short of the ball. Uh, I just got a feeling they might start with Josh Lewis this week. Um, don't know what they'd do with the Amos uh, John Williams combination up front. Brock, uh, Brock Harris, I would suspect, may start. Uh, D will start, I would imagine, and in the back row you're probably going to have uh, Moriarty will be at eight, and I thought that Wayne Wright and Ollie Griffiths would be on the flanks. There we go. Um, so we'll move on from the Dragons. I think we've put them to put them to rights, haven't we? So we'll move on to the Ospreys. They play Friday night. Uh, the only region to pick up a, a, a win on the opening weekend, uh, 17-13 win over Edinburgh. Yeah, I suppose. There's only one place to start, probably. Christian Ronaldo. Chris, Chris, <laughs> that's it. Welsh rugby's Cristiano Ronaldo. I think he was dubbed by uh, Alan Clark uh, a month or two ago. That's uh, George North. He's been dubbed the complete package now by Clark. And to be fair, on Friday show, and he's maybe not far off. Well, it's great to see that uh, you know not George. So we interviewed him last week, and uh, in between telling me that I wouldn't be on an invite. Uh, to his wedding and winding me up with a couple of other things like where he lived and uh, his commute he, uh, he's, he's, he said but now he's got his hunger back for the game and I think that showed on uh, on uh, Friday night he's out to prove a point uh, you know he's really up for it when we spoke to him last week and um, uh, he, he did really well and uh, when we were speaking to him uh, last week and we also spoke to Scott Williams and they both said about how they were used how they played with each other for Wales and at the Scarlets and how and how they could help each other and uh, a piece you've done Ben with uh, you know the unsung yeah. sort of hero Scott Williams uh, played a part in George's uh, performance but George was quite dynamite wasn't he he was a match winner yeah George George really was and I think for me the, the pleasing thing with George was it wasn't just the two tries because if you look at George's stats for Wales since the 2013 Lions talk something like 30 tries in how many tests he's played it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible strike rate which people probably overlook because they think he's, his all-round game has, has sort of dropped. But but Friday sort of pointed towards his all-round game being sort of back up there. Um, you know, defensively, he looked solid. Uh, there was one moment, it was um, Ospreys were mo- uh, attacking down the left wing, sort of north, north was just roaming. Uh, loose pass, Edinburgh hacked through, and North got back, got on the loose ball, and just a little flick offload allowed Justin Chipwick to clear it. It was just a moment. That was the moment when you thought, okay, he's 
he's up for this and he's, he's actually going to work hard for the team and, and, the, and the, tries, the tries came as a result of it but I think it was just his all round game that really pleased me and um, yeah like you say Scott I thought Scott had a really good game Scott Williams in the centre um, left the Scarlets because let's be honest he probably wasn't going to be guaranteed first choice rugby week in week out there was he uh, with no, I think he decided to leave the Scarlets man when Jonathan Davis was still fit yeah. So of course Jonathan had a serious uh, injury just afterwards, and as uh, you know, it's no guarantee that Jonathan and uh, and Hadley Pax would be uh, pick Edwin Pax because I think Scott's a really good player. He'd yeah. certainly be challenging him, wouldn't he? To be fair, he, he nearly joined the Ospreys a few years prior. Yeah. Um, so you know, he clearly feels the move is right for him, and um, it's go, strange, goes, mind he, you, it's strange to see he's a real Scarlet spy from Lambda. I think it's yeah. it's really strange seeing him in an Osprey shirt. Is, I think yeah. it is a good, you know, he's a good pro. Scott, lovely bloke, and I think it's a good move for him. And he goes, he goes into that back line, which, let's be honest, in the last in the last twenty four eighteen months, have gone from being. Remember when they were in the Challenge Cup and they think they were thirty points from thirty, wasn't it? And they were scoring yeah. tries for fun. To suddenly, the season after, you know, couldn't oh, they, couldn't, they, couldn't cross the, the the game line if they tried. Yeah, they struggled that from backside, aren't they? You know, they, they you know they couldn't they couldn't score a try uh, for for nothing. But now uh, I feel maybe Scott Williams is going to be yeah, a sort of good calming influence on them. You know, you, you saw the uh, pass the pass he produced for for North's first try. That's just out of the top draw. If Owen Farrell did that, people would be waxing lyrical about it. It's just you know, it's, it's a three on three, but the pass beats two defenders and gives Dan Evans the space to run into, and it is you know it's just. I think uh, Scott's uh, presence here will help players like Dan Evans, who's a really good fullback anyway. But it'll uh, help young Owen Watkin in the centre, who's Massively. a good, really good prospect. It will help Sam Davis. Because Sam puts the ball, you know, what well, you said, flattened across the line, and Scott will run onto it. And uh, I think he will help uh, uh, George North and uh, Keelan Giles when he comes back. You know, the Ospreys, if they can get their, potentially they've got a dynamite back, uh, back division with the ball. And uh, they will be able to play some high-risk rugby because they've got the players uh, in, in midfield. It, you know, players like Sam Davis, Ali Davis has come half as well. He'll make a big difference because his uh, speed of his service. Tempo, isn't it? Yeah, so you can get the tempo going. So he'll make a difference. Sam Davis playing off quick ball. Okay, he can play uh, high-risk rugby. Scott Williams, you know, they are capable of doing some damage. They might concede some points, but you personally, myself, I'd rather the Ospreys win a match 44-40 than... Uh, Six nil, uh, you know. I, I positive rugby and uh, you know Keelan. Let's don't forget about Keelan Giles, man. He's a red hot prospect. He's had a serious yeah. injury, but he is a red hot prospect. He could come back, and if his legs okay and all that, he could score a load of tries, and suddenly he'd be back in a in, uh, in a Wales frame. Um, I'm excited about the Ospreys uh, team this season. Um, when they go up front uh, well up front as well now they have got a back division that can do some uh, damage, and I'm sure the Osprey supporters could have something to savour. So one, one final thing on North. Well, that was a big one. It was a big, wasn't it? Very upbeat. Good for yeah. us. But yeah, one final. I know you love. I know you love my stats. Yeah, go on. <laughs> You're rolling your eyes already. Uh, North made 133 meters yeah. uh, for the Ospreys on the weekend. That was the most he's made in the Pro 14 or Pro 12 since his debut for the Scarlets back in December 20 or not December 2010, September 2010, uh, when he also made 133 meters. Don't ask me who gets because I haven't got a clue. One else, though, is it? It's Treviso. Treviso. Yeah, Treviso in Italy. Scored two tries in that one as well. Well, he's dynamite, one. He just burst on the scene. He'd had four games for Land every all of a sudden he's playing for the Scarlets. He was fantastic. And then he's in a Wales team. He's got two tries on his debut against South Africa. Exactly, yeah. And we like to see all that again on a regular basis. 
it's easy to forget how long he's been around, isn't it? You know, it's eight years now on the professional scene, and he's only what twenty six. Is he that? Yeah, something like that. So yeah, so um, away from the backs, there was other positives for the uh, for the Ospreys. Tiprick, Justin Tiprick, first game as captain. Corner one of our men out west, Mister Mark Orders. He was the actual man of the match. Yes, he was. That's uh, yeah. That was Mark's uh, assessment. He was the man of the match, and he'd be a good captain when he lead by example. That's the thing, you, you know, know. Not not that Alan Wynn Jones wasn't a great <laughs> captain, mind, but Tiprich is a is a you know he'll be a good captain when he lead by example. He's a great rugby player. He's got a fantastic rugby brain, and uh, you know he certainly uh, be able to uh, in, uh, change events or uh, tactics on the field if he uh, if he feels that way with his rugby brain. I wouldn't say he feels like the forgotten man of Welsh rugby, but you think of... Well, he is a bit, because the last season, his international campaign was disrupted by injuries. And you think how many sort of open sides yeah, have and you think emerged well, ahead of him. You know, jo- uh, Josh Navidi, James Davis, Alice yes. Jenkins uh, uh, did, so there's that uh, uh, massive competition for number seven, and even though Sam Robin is forced to retire through injury, Ollie Griffiths be pushing for it uh, uh, as well. So Tippish knows he's going to have to be at his best this season force his way back in now uh, Wales team well they all know that don't they they yeah. all know the same with Alice Jenkins has got to continue playing well James Davis and um, and Josh Navidi you know they've all got to produce on that field if they want that uh, number 7 jersey uh, though of course you know there's options to play uh, some at 6 but if Mr Moriarty is performing for the Dragons I would suspect he would be the Wales uh, 6 after being a standout at 8 during the summer with uh, uh, Tulupi Falatel coming back in at uh, Coming back in at eight after being rested from the summer summer tour, uh, you know Wales could have <laughs> Wales could have it doesn't matter who really plays in that back row. Wales can have a dynamite back row. Exactly, that's and really thing, Wales, that's, you know, first podcast of the season, Ben. For us, let's nail it now. Really, Wales should have a if they keep players fit. Wales should have a really good season. Yeah, you know, six nations, and I think myself that Wales can have a real run at that World Cup with the squad they got. I'm a little bit sceptical about the Six Nations, not not based on talent, just based on fixtures. You sort of, if you look at the last two years, we came fifth the year before, mm. second this year. I don't think it's such a big sort of discrepancy between the two as you as you look on positions. I think it's more to do with the amount of home and away games you play because we have got uh, England, Ireland, home this season. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, you know, Murrayfield is a tough place to go. So is Paris, less so Rome, but uh, it's Paris. French are getting better. French, but, the French are getting better. Yeah, but you know, Wales got the Indian side on them. We got a fantastic record. Over but if, there. You, if you think how many sort of, well, look at last year. The only team who won a significant away game that was in Italy, Ireland. Mm. They won. They won the slam. Yeah. You know, home home advantage still still holds firm in the Six Nations. So I, you know, if we do end yeah. up finishing fourth or fifth. Yeah, I don't. Wales, let's, let's not, let's not uh, read yeah, into it. Dispute that. Under Gatland, Wales haven't lost many matches against. Um, I think we lost one against Scotland, and they haven't lost that many against France either. Because, yeah. because French rugby, and it's sad yeah. to say, see French rugby has been in doldrums for years. I'm afraid because they've had too many foreigners playing in their in their uh, club game. World rugby needs a strong France, like it needs a strong South Africa, like it needs a strong Wales. But my point is, you know, if we do go up. To sort of Murrayfield, and we we do. I'm not concerned about the Scots. We really put them in their place last season. Okay, we lost that by the previous season, but Wales on paper got a lot better team than Scotland. Yeah, I don't see any reason. I've not worried at all about any of Wales's away games. You know, they'll be tough. Yeah, Italy will be tough over there. Italy will be tough. French will not be tough, but uh, um, uh, but Wales on paper got better teams than all those. 
Okay. You know, they can compete up front, and we got backs so that can do uh, uh, two things so if they pick the right team. Nice bit of positivity. Um, so, on to the final region. Oh, yeah. We haven't really touched yet. That's yeah, just, yeah, just one final part because you're butting on this for the Six Nations. Biggest danger is the two old matches, Ireland and, uh, and England in Cardiff, because, uh, you know, there's a, mu- uh, there's a muchness between uh, uh, Wales and those two teams, and, uh, you know, you would expect they'd be tight games, which could go either way. Absolutely. Um, that's a long way away there, isn't it? The Six Nations. But yeah, so. Ben, it'll be on you before you know it. <laughs> it will. Right, so the Scarlets, they went down 15 13 uh, in Ulster, Kingspan. I suppose, you know, they'll, they'll be feeling disappointed the way they lost last minute uh, penalty, but, you know, you look at the injuries they had. I think it was 14 before kickoff, then you throw in John Davis. Drop out in a warm up. Then Patchell went off with a HIA. Yeah. Then his replacement Dan Jones went off. So I think he had new new fullback Clayton Blumentree sort of playing for like half of the final part of the game. It's an incredible effort just to sort of come away with a losing bonus point there. Yeah, it is. I was, uh, I'm sitting. Well, that's the hot and cold. Last season they blew hot and cold, mind, and they blew a cold lot more. Than they were hot. I think but yeah, it is an A over yeah. there at the Kings at that stadium. And I'll, I'll stay, you know, they have rattled up some big wins against teams. Uh, but they are in the system. But yeah, that was good effort by the Scarlets. But I am a bit concerned about the Scarlets' injury list. I uh, don't know how many of those are long uh, term. Uh, the last two seasons when the Scarlets done really well, yeah, they have had some uh, injuries, but uh, uh, not that many really. And I uh, just wonder if the law of averages dictates they're going to have more injuries this season. And uh, the other thing is as well, they've lost three of their best players, uh, have left the, have left the region, uh, Tag Boone going to, uh, back to Ireland, John Barkley uh, to Scotland, and you've got uh, Scott Williams uh, going to the Ospreys, and uh, yeah, Ali Davis, yeah, he's got the Ospreys as well, but he was back up to um, Gaz Davis at the Scarlets, and they have got another really good scrum half in um, Jonathan Evans anyway. So, uh, But they have lost three real... Influential players in Scott Williams, Burn and uh, Barkley. Yes, they have recruited well, but it will take those new guys some time yeah. to settle. And one of them, of course, has got an injury already. Yeah, who's a Casium? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how long he's going to be out. Apparently, it's his calf. They were fierce first, it was an Achilles, but uh, calf, you never know. It could be a good few weeks. I think it's four weeks. I think that's what I saw. Yeah, um, yeah I know. Who from? <laughs> uh, you've got to be uh, from uh, own experience when you do get calf. Uh, problems they can be difficult to shake off I think a lot of the players should be back in the next couple of weeks that's I suppose half glass full for Pivlak yeah. um, you, you mentioned there about and they have got to, to have some tough fixtures to start the season I believe they've got Leinster next week yeah. um, at Parker Scarlet yeah. Leinster said Neil Cullen their coach said they will introduce uh, bring some players back this week for that game and they'll be um, and then they bring more each week, so yeah. be, they will probably have a few more food for first teamers playing. Probably isn't what Pivot wants to hear when he's got that many injuries, but you know that's the nature of it. Oh, but it's great for the Scarlets. Let's get a big crowd there to watch him. Yeah, and you know these, you know these new signings are only going to sort of test themselves against the best players. I mean, we'll go mm. on to the new signings because you mentioned that the players they've lost there: Tyburn, John Barkley, Scott Williams. On the whole, I think they have managed to replace them, but I think. What we saw, we saw it a little bit on Saturday. I mean, we won't we won't see it fully until they name a full strength team. Is how they're going to change the way they play this year? Because if you think about Tyburn, you know, 
there's not a second row in world rugby who can compete at the breakdown like he can. John Barkley, another breakdown specialist. Um, even Scott Williams, you know, is capable of, of doing that in the wider channels as yeah. a centre. Well, that's really important for centre these days, isn't it? Exactly. Now look at look at Brian O'Driscoll and how he sort of reinvented yeah, himself. Got him and Gordon Darcy, they were specialists at it. I think what we're going to see from the Scarlets this year, you've got Blake Thompson, uh, big uh, Kiwi, likes to carry in the wide channels, likes to offload, sort of, Pivak sort of called him Sonny Bill with a, with a six on his back. Casium, mm. uh, big, bulky ball carrier. I think we're going to see a lot more sort of physicality and bulk in those wider channels and the Scarlets are going to look to sort of win those dogfights more and if you think about the games they lost last year, Bath in the rain was the big one. Mm. I think that's the one that Pivak yeah, still looks at. And Leinster. Yeah. Twice. I think they're the ones he looks at and goes, this is where we need to take that. Mm. Uh, we saw bits and pieces of that on Saturday, but you know, at the end of the day, Ulster, as blunt as they are, you know, Stuart McCloskey just killed them over the game line. Mm. But yeah, there were there were some positives. No, um, I mean, Pivak is a clever coach and he's and Stephen Jones with him. Uh, and the rest of the coaching team there and I think Pivak uh, he will decide devise tactics which suits the strength of his uh, squad Definitely. and uh, what you just said there is he will play to the strengths of those big men probably they will vary uh, uh, vary their tactics a bit from last season you know that is a skill that is a sign of a good coach when you know it's like <laughs> many years ago of course Pontypool had that famous pack and all so you play to the forwards was a Van Ethy club team at the time had a uh, brilliant set of backs you played at the backs he also cited the uh, the, ta- the change in the tackle laws yeah it's going to favour sort of big guys who can get their hands free and offload and yeah. that's certainly what Blake Thompson is and he, he showed that early on on Saturday and um, well that's what you want in a player's getting hands around the back and offloading the ball which is like what well, Al Amos is really good at uh, uh, so yeah and people like that McCluskey you've mentioned he's big isn't he? and he's can freeze his arms and he's uh, he's good if you've got support runners around him they can uh, work off him he's just got a knack of playing really well against the Scarlet as McCluskey yeah, he, just, he just seems to bring his bring his A game so um, yeah in terms of elsewhere for the Scarlets uh, like I said one of the big sort of positives until he went off was Patchell just a you know another yeah, Dan really Jones is a good backup mate he is a good backup and um and, he, and what yeah, Dan Jones, Jones is good at, you're talking about getting big men running on the ball. Dan Jones is really good at putting the ball into those holes for big men to run under. Absolutely, you it's know. nice. Yeah, his timing, his passing is good. Yeah. They've got some good balance. Um, in terms of the negatives for the Scarlets, uh, the one was the line out, which just. They will miss Tagburn at the line out, That just malfunctioned mm. every time. Like and, and the other one was discipline. Which I'm certain Wayne Pivak will be furious with because only a week earlier uh, I was at Bristol Airport with him and he was carrying around a little award in his hand for fair play, fair play uh, award for last year. They were they were the cleanest team in the league, and then on Saturday they gave away eleven penalties in the first game. So uh, that's is that though because they were under pressure from Ulster, or were they needless penalties like the Blues gave away against uh, Leinster? To an, to an extent, yeah, some some were naturally uh, sort of under pressure. But the thing is, the Scarlets under Byron Hayward, they, they've got a really underrated defence. 
Uh, Bowie is good. They, you know, they they they, they fan really well, and they 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 manage to. So when McCloskey breaks through the line, they they're still able to sort of fan back and, and, and keep, keep scramble and keep their line speed. So a lot of the penalties were sort of needless. Mm. But um, that's you know that's something they have to work well, on. That's next something week. they need to pay one out of their game. Uh, especially with you know it's Leinster, isn't it? For the next up, mm. and that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, uh, uh, because yeah, because Leinster, you know, they they, uh, they win it. Uh, Bruce was built on that, getting those penalties from the halfway mark, as I said, and kick to the corners. Absolutely. Um, I think we just got time. It's been quite a long podcast, but you know, we miss talking to each other. And we hey, snap a thing. No comment. <laughs> Oh, no, no, of course we have Ben uh, we don't talk in the office uh, yeah. we, we, we save it all for the podcast um, final thing is just you're going to hate me for this no I'm not predictions I, I like making predictions there we go, go. So, right, the games. let's go Cardiff Blues away to Benetton Blues Blues lovely stuff nice and simple Ospreys at home to the Cheetahs Ospreys yeah Cheetahs didn't score a point did they 38 million against Munster that's worrying it is worrying a lot of a lot of South Africans might be ringing money in but if the Cheetahs keep on performing that badly and they had a good season last year you know and the Kings are down the bottom and all you wonder if it's worth it I think they've had more they've had more ins and outs than the Dragons so it's a worrying one that Scarlet's at home to Leinster that's a tough one because the Scarlet's got so many injuries I'm going to go for Leinster yeah, yeah I'd, 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 I'd agree Scarlett's can win but on their injuries I'm concerned about their injury list so yeah. based on that I'm going to go on Leinster finally the Dragons against the Southern Kings Dragons Dragons Moriarty too many plays key man and I think he key man he'll make a huge difference they lit their straps and I think all of, and they could rack up some points against the Kings because I don't think Kings have the match lovely stuff um but we'll do a little right of that tis the dragons so you never know <laughs> <laughs> right there we go so that was a fairly positive first podcast of the year uh, it was Ben is only one way you can go after this oh, don't say dang <laughs> uh, so yeah for all the latest Welsh rugby news you can catch it all on Wales Online